So what's cool about the hybrid is, for example, our 23 foot, uh, our, our 23, just using that one as an example. If we park it, we really have the sleeping and living space of about a 28 to 30 foot camper, but we're only towing a 23 foot box. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. Authors of Where Should We Camp Next, a 50-state guide to amazing campgrounds and other unique outdoor accommodations. Almost 12 years ago, we bought a pop-up camper that changed our lives and introduced us to the joys of RV travel. Join us now as we talk about where to camp, what gear to bring, and the best food to cook. We will also keep you dialed in to the latest RV innovations from people in the know. So pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the RV Atlas. In recent months, I have found myself missing our pop-up camper. This is something that happens to me once a year or every two years, where I just kind of go back down memory lane and think of all the fun we had in the pop-up camper, having the canvas, having that kind of outdoor natural experience. And I kind of realized simultaneously that we have not covered pop-up campers or hybrids in a while here on the RV Atlas. And I know that they are still so appealing to first-time buyers and to young families and to a lot of the types of people that are listening to this show. So then instantly I realized it was time for me to have back on the show my good friend and a friend of the podcast, Johan Schnell, who is a passionate Rockwood hybrid owner. So today, Johan is going to give us the pros and cons of hybrid travel trailers, and he's going to give us some tips for living with a hybrid travel trailer and actually using one and making it as comfortable as you can possibly make it. I'm so excited for this episode. And Johan is just a great example of someone who bought the right RV for his family. He thought long and hard about it. Him and his wife thought long and hard about it five or six years ago. They discovered that a hybrid was the right thing for them. And now almost six years later, they have the same RV. They're still loving it. And it sounds like he's planning on keeping it for another four or five or six years. And in a lot of ways, that's the ideal situation, isn't it? Because trading in an RV every couple of years gets really expensive. So Johan's gotten great value out of his Rockwood Roo hybrid. He loves and adores it. And he's going to share both the positive and negative aspects of hybrid travel trailer ownership. So we will be back in a second with my brother from another mother, Johan Schnell. And we're going to be talking all about hybrids. But before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends over at Go RVing. GoRVing's website, GoRVing.com, is packed with all of the tips and inspiration you need to enjoy life on the road and at the campground. Check out GoRVing's Tips and Inspirations tab to find recipes from the road, expert advice from real RV owners, budget tips, and so much more. Recipes from the Road includes mouthwatering food content from Keita Roberts, a.k.a. Girl Carnivore, and Megan and Michael from Fresh Off the Grid. The expert advice section includes how-to videos from RV owners about essential tools, trip planning, and navigation apps, RV maintenance, and how-tos, and what to know before hitting the road. The budget tips section also includes a beginner's guide to buying and renting an RV, tips for vacationing on a budget, and five expenses you should budget for. GoRVing.com's Tips and Inspirations tab is guaranteed to get you ready for your next adventure. And this is just a small sample of the great content you will find there. To find out more, head on over to GoRVing.com. 
Hello, Johan Schnell, and welcome back to the RV Atlas, man. It's It's been too long, and I'm really excited to have you back. How are you? What's going on, Jeremy? How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Good, good, good. Just busy, busy, busy. How has your 2022 camping season been going for you guys so far? 2022 has not been as much on camping. Um, we actually, we just got done camping, so I can't say that. We, My wife is a big music festival kind of person, and at the Daytona track, there was a four-day Welcome to Rockville festival, and so she really wanted to do that with a camper, so... Uh, that's where the camper was last weekend was in a, in a rock festival inside the Daytona international speedway. Now, longtime listeners know you're from Florida. So like, what, what is your camping season? Do you go into the heat of the summer or do you sort of, you know, put things away a little bit for a few months until it cools back off again? Yeah. The, uh, good question. Because when a lot of people are winterizing their rigs, that's actually around the time that we're kind of getting ready. We're, we're, that's the thick of our se- It becomes the thick of our season. Um, in Florida, I would say uh, for us, and I think we might not be alone in this, we really camp from about September, August, September, uh, through to maybe May. And then, and then we are uh, like our family, we, we don't camp typically in the summer, except for, uh, Bryn Mawr, which is an oceanside campground that we really like to do in the summer because it's, it's on the beach. Um, but for the most part, we really stick to camping when it's not crazy hot outside because, because of our hybrid, which we can go into in a little bit. Yeah. And I've been missing canvas and we haven't covered pop-up campers or hybrid, hybrid travel trailers in a while on the podcast. And I decided I wanted to do an episode either on pop-ups or hybrids. And the second I decided to do that, like all roads led to Johan because you are just so passionate about your, your hybrid. You're sort of an evangelist for hybrid travel trailers. So you are, you really love your hybrid, right? We really do, man. The, um, we had our first, our first camper was a hybrid, a smaller one. And we loved it so much that after nine months, we knew we were hooked on the RV lifestyle. And then we had learned enough by listening to your podcast that back then and from friends to really be diligent about the second RV. And we played the devil's advocate, looked at fifth wheels, looked at travel trailers, looked at long ones, looked at different ones. And we settled back on a, just a larger hybrid with a slide. We, we love it. We, 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 and so anytime anybody asks me about it, that passion does come out and I try to sell them on it. <laughs> All right. So let's define terms here in case we have like some really newbie people out there listening that are interested in RVs. Um, the hybrid's a pretty unique category. So define what a hybrid is. And let's just talk a, a little bit in general about what a hybrid is. And then we can um, specifically talk about yours because I'm curious to kind of get a little mini review of your hybrid. So what are the different types of hybrids? How would you define hybrid travel trailers? Cool. How, how I would describe it to somebody, it's a, it's a travel trailer body. So it's the box of a travel trailer, but the beds, as opposed to the beds being inside that box, the beds actually pop out from the sides. <clears throat> so you have the inside the body of the travel trailer, you'll have the bathroom, you'll have the kitchen, you'll have the living room, 
but then the beds themselves are not part of that real estate. And so it's the reason why it's called a hybrid is because it's both a travel trailer and um, the beds are kind of like that of a pop-up where the, they're expandable, they come out, and then they have some kind of um, really hard plastic material, which in the RV world, we, it's called, they're just called canvas, but it, it's not. It's like a really durable plastic. Right. And I think, I mean, it used to be canvas on pop-up campers, right? But the material, I think, has, has evolved over the years, correct? Right. I, I don't know. I'm not knowledgeable enough on when that changed. But most of the hybrids that I know of from like the, the 90s, 2000s and, and now, they've all been on the same plastic that a pop-up uses. So it's it's a really sturdy plastic material that um that that you know it's it's not like canvas where it gets wet and and that can come in through the camper now and i think that i mean you're you exactly hit on the point there that if canvas gets wet it can get moldy and i think that with these new plastics that that look like canvas and maybe even feel a little bit like canvas you're sort of taking that off the table in terms of getting getting mold damage so how about the just generally speaking like what are the sizes the lengths of hybrids what's the sweet spot for where most of them are at yeah the 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 hybrid the box so let's let's talk about them from the 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 box itself so the beds um not tipped out the beds are tipped are closed so like you're in travel mode the smallest hybrid out there is around 16 feet in length and that's purely the box um, where the largest hybrid is 23 foot in length um and we started with a 17 foot um hybrid and we're now in a 23 foot hybrid um obviously when the beds pop out that expands that length so our 23 foot hybrid when we're going camping we tell the campground that we that we need the space of 28 to 30 feet is is our sweet spot so we have enough room and as you mentioned like most of most of them have a bed on either end i mean there's been all kinds of floor plans over the years i mean i've seen ones that just have a bed on one end but most of them have a bed on each end but then there's also really popular three bed hybrids right yep and that's the one that that's the type that we're drawn to um the most standard hybrid will be a bed in the front a bed in the back and then the travel trailer box um and then some might have a slide on the on the left side um to you know to accommodate the the couch coming out or the dinette coming out um some like the the there's a the flagstaff rockwood one that has opposing slides and that one's really really nice it feels more like a really like a like a high-end travel trailer because of the opposing slides and beds in the front and back but the common hybrid bed in the front bed in the back and then the the other common hybrid is that three bed where you have the third bed pop out on the side on the left side and in a sense they're family friendly rvs like as a category um i think it yeah. lends itself to being for families right yeah the the hybrid is really meant for the family that wants to that wants a lot of sleeping space um and in the the three bed hybrid is really really probably the most popular i i i would put money that if you were to see what the most sold hybrid is probably the three bed hybrid floor plan where you have a bed on the front a bed in the back a bed on the left and then the dinette slide too because that's one that's maximum sleeping um arrangement you could have two people on each bed you could you have the dinette could go down and then you also have a jackknife sofa and so like that's very very family friendly
Right. Because, I mean, you you could fit two smaller kids on one of these beds. Then you also have that big bed, which is the dinette. And you could still have the, the couch for another bed or just to have a place to sit. So, yeah, I'm thinking that Rock would probably, you know, and Rockwood comes to mind with this, that they probably sell a lot of those two, three, three S's. I think that's what they are, right? Yep. That's the one we have. And, and obviously, I'm biased towards that one um but that one is probably the most common hybrid out um the most popular hybrid out because it can fit so many people and before we get into pros and cons one thing about the beds is that these are not rv size beds most most hybrids even the smaller ones will have a queen size bed and so kind of in a pop-up camper one of the benefits of the pop-up is you have a king size bed in a hybrid you have a true queen size bed not an rv queen yeah they are big spacious beds so give us just a mini review of the of the model you have like how many years have you had it you know what does your family love about it uh, i i feel like you really you're, you're one of those people that like you love your particular rv you're very resistant to sell it and get something different so why do you keep hanging on to it what do you love about it we have the the Flagstaff Shamrock 233X, but that's the exact same as a Rockwood Rue 233S. They're they're both made in the same plant by the same people, same everything. It's just um, a matter of graphics on the outside and colors a little bit, but they're the exact same one. So if you look up a 233S by either Flagstaff or Rockwood, that's the one. Um, and yeah, we love it. We love it because it's really within the hybrids. You have um, entry level type hybrids um, on based on size and also based on features. And then you have a more upscale type hybrids based on size and based on features. But for us, the 233S, because it was our second camper, we already knew what we liked and what we didn't like. And we decided to go for the one that had the the, the features that we wanted. And what what's the what the features what I'm talking about, like nowadays they come with like Wi-Fi Ranger and things like that. But no, back then it was um more more important type features like ducted AC where the AC is not just from the central part of the roof, but the AC is ducted throughout the whole camper and it spreads out the air conditioning throughout, which is important in a hybrid. It also had um, a glass shower as opposed to a curtain. Um, it just had a lot of little things like that that made it feel like a better, like a nicer camper to spend time in. And, and we certainly do. We average about 30 to 40 days on good years. So it's not really like it's in terms of the, the, the fit and finish and the things that come with it. It's kind of not exactly an entry level camper. It, it's kind of got some of the features you'd see in like a, at least a step above entry level. Like like ducted AC is not a small thing to, to have. Right. The, the, and that's for a Flagstaff and for Rockwood. There are there are entry level companies um, or entry level campers by different companies too. Um, so at the time, for example, Jayco offered the same floor plan, three beds and a slide, but it had a little bit less of those important amenities, so to speak. Um, KZ is also a player in this space too in the hybrid world, and they are also more of an entry level type camper. Um, and, and obviously, it's more more budget friendly too. So if you don't have to have those amenities and you'd rather get out and, and be out camping that, that you, you don't have to necessarily go through all these all now, these amenities it, but that's why we got it. 
it seems like fewer companies are making hybrids and then sort of, you know, Rockwood and Flagstaff are, have somewhat taken over the marketplace. Like when we first got into this, uh, Keystone made them. I'm not sure if they do right now. Coachman, you mentioned Jayco, Rockwood, Flagstaff, and then some of the smaller, more niche companies make them. So they're they're available. Yeah. They're out there. But I feel like more companies used to make them in the past, I think, right? Yeah, and 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 I might be biased. I think that because Rockwood and Flagstaff do them so well and have so many different types of floor plans within the twenty-three foot box, you could get um, slightly different variations of the floor, of floor plans, like the opposing slide one or one maybe that has an outdoor kitchen set up too. Um, because Flag Flagstaff and Rockwood do, do them so well, I think that that's probably. Um, maybe pushed out some of the bigger players and have them focus on other types of campers. But uh, yeah, Kodiak was a player um, in the hybrid world. Jayco was a really good player in the hybrid world. That was our first camper. Um, I think Heartland um, was also, uh, was, is, is might still be making them. Um, but yeah, it seems like the, the amount, the amount of companies that are in the hybrid world are, have reduced. How many years now have you had this particular model? We got this one in January of 2017, um, and and I was joking about it on on our Facebook group, on the RV Atlas Facebook group, because it finally it finally came to the time where I needed to do a lot of maintenance slash fun upgrades to it. Now that's a good. We, go ahead. I'm sorry. We 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 used it so, we used it so much that it that you know that a lot of this stuff was is, is our fault. It's been a great camper from a service and and um, and things breaking down. We've had zero issues. So all these upgrades are just just out of age and use. You know that's look. A lot of people have trouble with their RVs, and when you buy a new RV, I think a lot of um, new RV owner newbie RV owners are surprised that a lot of times you have to bring them back to get this that or the other thing fixed. So in other words, like you have had this camper for five slash six years of really good use and I, my guess is like you're gonna hang on to it for a while right because it's like once you have your rv and everything's functioning I, I tend to think you should hang on to it as long as you can until it really doesn't work anymore and this still works for your family really well right with the you know the ages of your kids and everything yeah, and and it and it's it's cool because the upgrades, the, the like for example, it had a power tongue jack, but my power tongue jack was just being really slow lately. The past few trips, it's been really slow, and so I went ahead and upgraded it to a five thousand pound tongue jack. And so like it's not because it, it you know like I could have gone to another power tongue jack, but I chose to go with a bigger one, um, or like the lock for example, because my wife was going to be at this music festival, and he, sometimes you just don't know, and it was going to be a girls trip. I wanted to put the RV lock so that each each person that was going to go into the camper, they could just punch in a code and, and it would keep it simple for them. Um, so just 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 making what we already have really much that much better. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm, you know, I love hearing, you know, you hear negative stories out there about people having issues with their RVs. It's really nice to hear from somebody that's that's had one trouble and maintenance free for, for all these years. So let's go into the heart of the episode here and talk about the pros and cons of a hybrid. And before I hit record, you and I were talking and, and you said something that was so true. 
every type of RV has pros and cons. We're not getting negative here saying that hybrids have cons. We're just saying, you know, every RV has some drawbacks and we're going to go through both of them. So let's just dive in and give us the pros of a hybrid, the things about hybrids that make them most appealing to you and to other hybrid owners you know. Yeah, so let's start off with the with the elephant in the room, which is basically the the the, the size and the and the and the weight. So what's cool about the hybrid is, for example, our twenty three foot, uh, our twenty three. Just using that one as an example. If we park it, we really have the sleeping and living space of about a twenty eight to thirty foot camper, but we're only towing a twenty three foot box. Um, so it makes that that much easier to maneuver, to put into a campground, to store it if you're limited on space where you can store your camper. Um, so those, those are really big things. But the other part is that it's also lighter than a 30 foot camper, um, because I'm only towing a 23 foot box, um, and so that that makes it more fuel efficient to also to tow that that camper as well. And so because it's lighter, because it's easier to maneuver, those are really big pros. The other big pro to to our family, and this is again, this, there there's going to be cons that follow this, but it really feels like you're camping when you're inside those those bunk ends, the beds. Um, you get to hear the rain, you get to feel it, you get to like, it feels like you're, you're camping, like you're, you're not, you're not in a tent. So you have all the luxuries of, of a camper, but it, you're, it, it feels so cozy, like, especially because my wife did such a good job with like the comforters and the sheets and that. And so like you have all these comforts and luxuries. And yet, like, if you've got really good weather, you can unzip the window and have um, just the mesh and you can see the site that you're in or you can just feel like you're in the space. It's 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 awesome. I can't believe I've and ever then, asked you this before. Before you move on, did did you tent camp a lot before you got married or or did you tent camp before you guys had kids? Is is that part of your camping history? I don't know that about you. Yeah, we so individually um we camped a decent amount and when we when we first when we first started dating, we camped very very little. Once we had our first kid, we went camping once, and then we said, "No, not, not anymore." <laughs> gotcha. It's, it's not. It's we only a- camped once with our kid, like the the three of us, uh, before we had our second kid. Um, I tent camp quite a bit uh, with friends for our for our annual Rolex trip. And the year that I got the camper was also the year I I tank camped the Rolex for the last time. Because once you're used to being in a camper, it's really hard to go back to the tent for me, for, for myself. Oh, I think for most people, too, I do. I think you get spoiled by the comfort and convenience of the RV. So any any other pros, any other like real obvious positive aspects yeah. of hybrid ownership? the the bed size to me that's a big deal and so i'm six two my wife is five foot eight we're tall people we can both we can we can share our bed and we can be comfortable in it it's a true queen and so granted at home we're spoiled we have a king when we go to the camper we can share we can share the bed and it's no big deal um and so i think the amount of sleeping space and and that that you get is like that is to me a big compelling reason for the for the hybrid I want to emphasize one thing you said. You know, you're you're saying that your hybrid is 
uh, around 23 feet. And, but then when it's opened, it's, it's sort of 30 feet of space and that it's easier to tow that 23 foot RV. I want to emphasize that to any newbies out there who are listening, who have not purchased their first RV yet. There is a really, really big difference between towing a 23 foot RV and towing a 33, uh, 33 or 30 foot RV. Um, it's just so much easier. It really is like every five feet you add does add a, a level of difficulty. And for some people, it's no big deal. I mean, some people can t- tow a 45 foot fifth wheel and it's no problem. But I think for the average person, you know, as you add five feet here, another five feet, it does get a, a bit more, you know, challenging to tow and requires some more skill. So those were the pros. Um, and one final thing on that. Go ahead. Two is it, if you have um, the difference between a 30 foot camper and a 23 foot camper too, is the size of the truck or SUV needed. Um, so the, our hybrid is the biggest one in the market, the heaviest one in the market, but we're still within the half ton capability. No problem. Um, and even the midsize truck can can tow a hybrid no problem um but if you go to a 30 foot truck then you're also looking at maybe needing a higher a higher capacity truck as well absolutely super important and as we've talked about before you know maybe just because of the tongue weight once you get up to a 32 33 foot rig um you know a half ton might not do it just because of that tongue weight um so we're going to come back in a second we're going to talk about some of the cons of a hybrid and again the point is not to go negative the point is just to you know fully explain to our listeners all the things they need to consider but before we do that we have a sponsored message from our friends at thetford from a humble beginning in the garage of frank Sargent near flint Michigan, Thetford has become a leading manufacturer of toilets and sanitation solutions for the RV, marine, and camping markets. Thetford makes going places easy, and they've been serving RV owners with great products since 1963. We've been using Thetford's holding tank treatments for over 12 years, and we never get the bad odors that some RVers complain about. Aquamax is Thetford's newest holding tank treatment. Its special blend of powerful enzymes and beneficial probiotics quick eliminate odor, digest waste, and dissolve toilet paper. It is also formaldehyde and bronopal free, making it campground and marine friendly. It can be used in building tank systems and portable and recirculating toilets. Proudly made in the USA, Thetford's new family of Aquamax holding tank treatments have been extensively researched and tested safe for all RV and marine toilets, holding tanks, and septic systems. Aquamax is available in two fragrances, Summer Cypress and Spring Showers. And Aquamax also comes in a variety of sizes and formulations, liquid, dry packs, and toss-ins. So stock up today. To find out more about Aquamax and Thetford's complete lineup of products, head on over to thetford.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here with Johan Schnell, who's just given us so much great content over the years. And I'm, I'm really excited to be talking to him about hybrids today because he's passionate about them and he's an owner and has been now for, for many, many years. So let's talk about some of the, the drawbacks of a hybrid. If somebody's out there thinking, wow, this sounds appealing, maybe this would work for my family. Well, just what are some of the things that you would want them to think about first? Cool. So the, the first one that comes to mind is there's more steps involved in setting up the hybrid than there is a normal travel trailer. Um, because setting up a hybrid is you, you get to your campsite, you set up the camper, and then you have to tip out the beds. 
Um, and, and so once you tip out the beds, then you can actually make the beds in, inside the space and things like that. So there's inherently just a little bit more, uh, it takes more to set up and break down. And, and, and especially like I'm, I'm tall, so it helps to be able to push the bed up when it's time to break down the camper. But I, I know that if it, that it, it's hard. It's not something that it's super easy to just push the bed up and, and, and click it. It, ta it takes a little bit of muscle. It takes a little bit of work. So I think that that's the first con. I think it may be like, what, an extra 15 minutes to set up a hybrid over a travel trailer? I, I'm just kind of guessing. But, you know, when you say it takes yeah. longer, I, I, w I would probably just say like 15 minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that, I would say that too. And then the, the other thing that comes with it, that comes with the territory of it being, you know, having that canvas feel to it is that it's really more susceptible to the elements and to sounds. So if you're camping in a really hot environment, the camper is just going to just going to be harder. It's going to be those, those beds are going to breathe and our three bed hybrid breathes way more than a friend of ours that has a two bed hybrid with the opposing slide. There's really cool. It's like a resort in there. Um, but the difference in heat and when we're camping in the same location is, is, is significant. So it gets hotter. If you're in a cold environment, it gets colder. Um, and then if you're somewhere like, for example, at the music festival, you can definitely hear things outside. Or when we camp at Rolex, you definitely hear the race cars on the background. So you definitely you're more susceptible to sound. And so then I would say the, that I would just add this if I could. So, you know, if you're thinking about whether you want to buy a hybrid and you really want to camp late into the fall season when it gets really cold, well, maybe think about a traditional travel trailer. But if you are that type of camper uh, who's like in the Northeast uh, or somewhere like that and just wants to camp from April to October, you're, you're probably good to go. Right. And then I'd, I'd also add you know, the issue of sound. So if you're a state park camper where the sites are not super close together, that could maybe be a total non-issue for you. Or like you guys, your family goes to Fort Wilderness where the sites tend to be big. Do, do, do sounds bother you there, Johan? No, uh, it's part of it. For, for us, it's really that camping feeling. Um, it's a, it, it's part of it. And for places where it's noisy, like if we go somewhere like, a, like the race and like racing, we just bring earplugs and it's not that big of a deal. But for us, um, that's a compromise that's worth having for us. Um, and at cool places like Fort Wilderness, you actually miss the sounds. Like as soon as we get to Fort Wilderness, we're like, ah, this is our place because you get to hear people looping in the golf carts, listening to music. You get to hear the boat going back and forth to Magic Kingdom. You get to hear like all these different things that are unique to the place that you're going to, which is pretty sweet. So you're more connected to the experience wherever you are. I, I like that. I, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I love to hear the sounds of nature back in the pop-up camper. And now in the ember that I'm in, the soundproofing's so good, you know, um, you don't hear that unless you open up all the windows, of course. Um, yeah. So what else in terms of um, cons or some drawbacks to think about? The, the humidity or condensation, that's definitely something that the, the owners of hybrids have to have to battle um, because the, the, the camper breathes more. It's more susceptible to condensation if you're camping in, in cold climate um, and, and you, you want to avoid mold. And so con controlling that humidity or condensation is something that every hybrid owner has to has to face. The other thing is 
you're limited on mattress types. And for us, it's not a problem. Um, we've had the, the OEM mattress in our camper because they're heated. So our, our mattress from Flagstaff Rockwood plugs into an outlet and, and stays hot. So if we camp in 20 degree weather, the bed is hot itself. Um, so for us, we've been dealing with the, with the original mattress all this time, but it's not the comfiest. If you're used to like a really, really um, good mattress like you are at home. Um, so you're limited on the type of mattresses that you can buy because they need to be able to fold into themselves so that the bed can be propped back up when so, you when you travel. So you can't just go on Amazon and buy a replacement where if you have a, a permanent you know, RV bed, a lot of people, the first thing they do is toss them and go buy a Zinus or whatever it might be. So you can't do that. But right. yours, the OEM one, the one that came with it has been fine. It's been fine. What a lot of hybrid owners do is they will buy a uh, mattress topper on Amazon or wherever that's really comfy. And then that's just one more step in their setup and breakdown where they pull that mattress topper out, put it somewhere else inside the, the travel trailer. And then when they get to their spot, then when they open up the bed, they put that on top. Yeah, there's there's like a lot of hacks for owning a hybrid, right? Yep. And there's like if you're if you're hesitant or if you feel like you want to buy one but you need help, I mean, there's all kinds of Facebook groups dedicated to pop up campers and hybrids. And you know, it seems like there's it seems like you guys have all come up with a lot of solutions for the common problems as well, right? Yep. Yeah. So any other cons? The, the, and I think the last one is that if you were looking for a small, like, let's say you're the family looking for a 23 foot camper and you don't want to go beyond that. If you were to compare a traditional travel trailer, 23 foot box to a hybrid 23 foot box, the hybrid is going to be heavier because it's got the, the, the mechanisms for the bed. It's going to have, it's just going to be a heavier camper for the same, um, box size so it'll be a little bit heavier than a regular travel trailer of the same size i never thought of that that's interesting i mean particularly like in that three bed model you have right i mean you have three beds yeah. folding up into that 23 foot box so yeah so like our three bed for example weighs it, it's with our stuff and it's about 5,500 pounds. I think that a 23 foot box camper is probably going to be maybe, maybe a thousand pounds less. That's a great tip. I had never thought of that. So any other cons or drawbacks, or do you want to just give, um, you have a short list of some tips for living with a hybrid. Um, like I was saying, sort of hacks for making it as comfortable and fun as possible. Are you ready to move into that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. So just tell us some of the really common things that people do to make hybrids um, even more comfortable than they already are. So the, mo the most common is really solving that heat, that heat and cold dissipation. And what, I, what everybody and really, uh, if you were to go on a group and ask, the, the people that make solar covers that go on the bed, uh, on the outside of the bed. So think of a solar blanket. Um, that goes on the outside of the pop of the pop up bed, and then gets uh, gets tied around the bed itself, so that it basically serves as an additional blanket to the outside of that pop up um, bed part. And it in it sounds like people are buying just to buy, but no, it makes a huge difference in keeping the sun. Um, the heat out and also in cold weather, keeping the heat in the camper makes a big difference. Now, do you leave um, them so the on? Do you leave them on when you fold up the beds? 
you can. So for us, when we're in our camping season and we're going, we know we're like when we, when we camp about once a month, I typically leave them on if it's dry. Um, and there's, there's ways to have them, like they'll make them where they have Velcro on, on the side that stays on the camper so that you can just un- untie them, but leave them on top of the bed and they fold into, into themselves. Um, it sounds complicated, but it's not, they, you can leave, definitely leave them on. But if we just camped and, and they got, and it, they were wet oh, right. or I know we're not going to camp for, for a couple of months, then I'll just take them out and fold them and put them in my tote. Gotcha. All right, that's great. That's a great tip. And that's really a, like one of the first sort of, uh, you know, if you want to call it a modification, that's really one of the first things that people add to the hybrid mix, yep. right? Yeah. And it makes, it makes a big difference. And then along that same line, the, the cool part about a hybrid, just like a pop-up camper, the, the three sides, uh, you know, like let's say you're, you're laying down on the bed, the three walls that surround you are all unzippable. Like you can unzip them and you basically have mesh. Um, so you can see outside and you can, you can feel the weather. What, a, what a lot of us do is we'll buy, um, reflectics from Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever and cut it out to make them inserts of those windows so that those are also solar covers for the window. So with that, you have the roof part covered and then you have the window part covered and then you've done the most you could. And we do that. We do leave those in, um, most of the time. And that makes a big difference. And that, that really helps out make the camper a little bit, a little bit better for, for heat. Okay. Awesome. You have a couple other tips here along those same lines, right? Yeah. So just for example, just now we were camping in Daytona this week in Florida has been super hot. So the, the weather was pushing during the day, it was pushing like 93 degrees. Um, our camper could not keep up. Um, I have a digital thermostat in my camper and if I didn't have any assistance, my air conditioning was staying like around 83, 86 degrees. It was really hot. And so what we do, and that's with the solar cover and the reflectors and all that. Um, so what we did is what we do is we bring a lot of fans inside the camper to help move that hot air out and, and make it tolerable. So if once we were not able to get below 83 degrees with those fans, we can get it down to about like 76. That's a huge Um, difference. Yeah. Having fans inside the camper when it's, when you're camping in super hot weather is important. Um, in cold weather, what we did is we got a space heater to help out not have to use as much propane. And that space heater was money. When we camped in Thanksgiving in Georgia, the weather got down to about the thirties, forties at night. And that space heater made all the difference in not having it like the, our propane heater wasn't coming on as often. And those space heaters, uh, obviously, you don't want a kid tripping over them, but they don't get super hot to the touch. Like I find I we used to use one in the pop up camper and I found it quite safe. And a lot of them, if they do get knocked over in the middle of the night, they shut off. Right. Yeah, they have. A, yeah, we definitely got that because we've got two two little kids and we have we have the dog. And so we didn't want a space heater that would be a danger for the dog walking around and knocking it over or a kid in the middle of the night knocking it over. So, yeah, they automatically shut off, too. 
All right. Awesome. So we're going to come back in a second, wrap up the show. And if you have any other tips to give us, Johan, you can give us uh, those tips then. But before we do that, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Yogi Bears Jellystone Park Camp Resorts. Whether you enjoy the comfort of a luxury cabin, a deluxe RV site, or prefer to try some unique options like yurts, tree houses, or covered wagons, award-winning Jellystone Parks has a variety of first-rate accommodations, attractions, and activities to provide the setting for an affordable and fun family vacation. Our family has been making great camping memories at Jellystone Park for years, and we can't wait to get back and see Yogi Bear and friends this spring and summer. Jellystone Park locations have everything you and your family will need to make long-lasting camping memories. From amazing water zones, including pools, splash grounds, and splash pads, to mini golf, wagon rides, and jumping pillows, Jellystone Park is the best place for family entertainment this year. You will also find many themed weekend events, including appearances from Yogi Bear and Friends. You will notice that family fun at our exciting camp resorts is the main attraction. With over 75 locations across the United States and Canada, make Jellystone Park part of your vacation this spring and summer. Remember, it's not just a campground, it's Jellystone Park. To find out more and book your spring and summer getaways, head on over to jellystonepark.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here with Johan Schnell, and he's been giving us the pros and cons of hybrid travel trailers. And I really, I love doing this type of episode. We've done a lot of them over the years, but not recently, because I do think it is difficult to purchase your first RV and figure out what's right for your family, or even move into that second RV. So Johan, any other tips for living with a hybrid? Any other pros and cons that we missed? No, those are, those are it because the 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 other one I had on my list, I think it it, it would apply to any travel trailer and own, own some type of dehumidifier or or have if you're storing it, have some kind of Ridex or something to help control the humidity inside your camper when you're storing it. All right, awesome. So I know that you have had this hybrid for five or six years. You love it. It's served your family incredibly well, but the kids are getting bigger. You know, our lives do change. Do you see trading this in and, and getting something different? Do you ever see yourself in a 32-foot travel trailer? Do you ever see yourself in a fifth wheel or a Class C or anything like that? There was, there was a time maybe um, right before the pandemic hit where my wife and I were considering getting something different. Um, and we were thinking, do we go fifth wheel this time? Do we Do we go with a long travel trailer? But Jeremy, where we are as far as stage, our kids are actually enjoying going to hotels too. And so I think our plan really is to keep this hybrid even as they get bigger because we've got three beds. So right now my kids are 10 and 7. They still share one bed and they like sharing that bed. Maybe when they're teenagers, they're not going to like doing that, but they have, they'll have their individual beds. Um, and, and really, you know, have it as a change of pace. So every once in a while we go on the camper, every once in a while we go and do the hotel or, or resort where we have like a sweet condo type of thing. And I, I really think the long-term plan is once the kids do move out and maybe they're not joining us anymore, then, then maybe my wife and I will, will splurge and get some kind of airstream. Cool. That is awesome. You know, two things um, c come to mind. I mean, the first is that you're getting such 
great value out of this camper. I mean, to be quite frank with our audience, RVs have gotten very expensive. I'm not telling anybody anything new who's looked. I mean, considering you bought yours five or six years ago and you're planning on hanging on to it, you're getting a great dollar value out of your RV, right? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, um, particularly because of that. Like when we see the pricing, um, we think like, oh man, we could sell, especially in a year like this year where we're not camping as much in it. And we think like, man, we could sell it. But that, but that's the other part too, is that if we decide to go back in to get one, the pricing would be so much higher. So why, why it, it's, it works so well for us. And the second thing, the last thing we'll wrap up here. I, I, the only person I know the only adult male that I know that loves Fort Wilderness as much as I do, or more maybe, is you. Um, you're a huge Fort guy. Um, but you also mentioned like, you know, look, taking a hotel vacation could be a change of pace too. Uh, are you going to keep doing the Fort when you go to Disney? Or are you going to jump to the dark side at Disney? So we've jumped to the dark side this past last year and this year. And, and look, I'll be honest, we just splurged big time on the contemporary a couple of weeks ago. It was a bucket list. My wife and I had that as our goal when we paid off our student loans. And we made that goal a few years ago, a long time ago. We finally got to that stage and we splurged and we enjoyed it. But Jeremy, I promise you not, her and I were comparing it to Four Wilderness the entire time. And we cannot wait to go in order go in October. My wife was able to book for wilderness on Halloween a year or so ago. And so we cannot wait to do that trip. Um, I know she's, she's been, um, you know, hoarding inflatables and stuff like that. She's going to go all out. And for me, just having fun with the family, we can't wait to be in full wilderness and, and I'd rather go to full wilderness than the contemporary any day and every day. You know, it's so funny you say that. Um, cause I didn't know about the contemporary trip really. Um, <clears throat> You know, we jumped to the dark side. We've done uh, Wilderness Lodge. We've done Beach Club. Um, but our next uh, reservation at Walt Disney World is at Fort Wilderness. And I cannot wait to go back. And I, I hope to meet you there someday, too, right? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your your love of this trailer. And I, I know, you know, to be quite frank with our audience, I think um, there are people who are a little frustrated with RV pricing now and everything seems so expensive and, and pop-up camper prices have gone up and hybrid travel trailer prices have gone up, but I still think they're um, affordable for a family on a budget just starting out. And I think they, they both really are still a great value to look at. So thank you so much, Johan. It was great to have you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. And um, just get out there. If I'm, if, if people are listening and just, just get out there and make memories less short. I agree. I agree. Thanks so much. We'll see you at the campground, Johan. See you at the campground. A big thank you for listening to this episode of the RV Atlas and a big thank you to our sponsors, to Neighbor, the Thetford Corporation, Camp Spot, Yogi Bears Jellystone Park Camp Resorts, RV Snaphead, and Go RVing. To find out more about the topics discussed in this show, head on over to the RVAtlas.com. And to join the friendliest group of RVers, head on over to the RV Atlas group on Facebook. If you enjoyed this show, please consider leaving us a review over at iTunes. And we'll see you at the campground. <laughs>